Hello and welcome to the Gay and Press part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. My name is Andrew Headspeeth. Over the next half an hour or so, we're talking all things Liverpool FC. With me, as always, is my topist of top reds. It's Mr. Alex Purdy. How are you, sir? Very well. The sun was out and we won. Just the we best won. weekend I've had in months. We won a game of association football. How about that? Incredible, eh? And also with us today is the excellent Emma Sanders. How are you, Emma? Yeah, great, thank you. Sub was out. Lots of football. Three points on the board. Clean sheet. Ah, oh, brilliant weekend. Let's get straight into it then. Uh, Sheffield United 0, Liverpool 2. Doesn't that sound good? Oh. First clean sheet since the draw with Manchester United back in January. First clean sheet with a win in the league since Palace before Christmas. So it's been a little bit of a while. Uh, Stop the rot. Still in sixth, but I think what, there's just uh, there's a point separating us and Chelsea above us, and then two points to West Ham up in fourth. So it was an important win to get on the board to to keep in that in that race. Uh, obviously, very welcome that win. But I'll throw this to you first, Emma. Were we good or were we lucky? Uh, probably a bit of both. I think I think Liverpool dominated the game. They created numerous chances. Um, should have scored more. Could have conceded perhaps one, if not two. Um, but, you know, against a team like Sheffield United, they were only ever going to really get one or two chances that they absolutely had to take. And the chances of them taking them were obviously not going to be as high as, as against, you know, a team like Man City, for example. So... Um, mm-hmm. Still, still concerns there, but you're going to have that when you've got a makeshift defence. Um, so overall, I think um, I think it was a solid professional performance. It wasn't anything outstanding, but I think what they needed to do, they they did. So um, good, I would say. All right, I'll take that. Birds, I say lucky because there were a couple of moments in there. Uh, I probably need to have another look at the first at Curtis Jones's goal again, whether the ball did cross the line. No way. Is, w- well in. No? Yeah, definitely. Well All right. Cheers for that, Hawkeye. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird that they don't use that technology on those kind of calls, but... It's just make it up as they go along, mate. Yeah, not complaining in this <laughs> no, case. Yeah. There was, of course, also um, Firmino had a one-on-one that he probably should have scored. And then there was the weird Quebec own goal that was fortunately <laughs> ruled out. Um, oh, God. And then, of course, the, the goal that uh, Firmino did score, which I'm, I think might have been given uh, to the Sheffield United defender with the dubious yeah, yeah. goals yeah. panel. That's such a yeah. shame. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there were a couple of lucky breaks. Aaron Ramsdale, again, was in form against Liverpool. It seems like every keeper now who comes yeah. up against Liverpool just has his has his best performance. Uh, what were your big takeaways from the game, though? Are you, are you happy to get a bit of luck or are you just like Amy or sort of you're pleased with the overall performance? Well, on balance, it's probably good. Um, but, you know, 51% good, 49% lucky because we I didn't think we played particularly well. I said about half an hour into myself, I've watched this game for two months in a row. The keeper has yep. a blinder, like Nick Pope did. That sprang to my head immediately, the Burnley one. Um, and we just, Bobby missing easy chances again. He didn't, he shot it straight at him. Just feed it into the corner, Bobby, come on. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, we looked a little better, but it, it's Sheffield United at the end of the day. Um, and you said right at, the, right at the start, have we stopped the rot? Look, we said that after RB Leipzig <laughs> and we lost to Everton straight away. So, you know, I'm yeah. not saying Liverpool are back, but, you know, we're on we're on the right path, let's say. 
Uh, yeah, and if you can't be good, be lucky. I mean, that is an important life lesson. Um, one player who did come in was Adrian, of course, in goal. He's taken a lot of stick in his Liverpool <laughs> career. I thought he was pretty good, actually. Um, he looked pretty solid. What do you think, Emma? Yeah, I mean, try and not sound so surprised, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I thought I thought he had a good performance. Um, I don't think he was like you know hugely tested in the sense he didn't have to make any worldies. I think the saves that he made, he would have expected you know Allison to save quite routinely. So um, yeah. I don't think it, you know it was anything outstanding. But at the end of the day, the goalkeeper's job is to prevent goals happening, and that's what he did. So um, you're obviously going to miss distribution. You're going to miss the sort of confidence which Allison usually has. He's probably not had in the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, you are going to miss that when when you're having you know when you've got a reserve keeper coming in. So and technically at the moment, I think he's kind of our three slash number two as well. With with Kelleher obviously being in in good form and he wasn't available. So um, yeah, I think given all things considered, um, yeah, it was a good performance from him. So well done. Um, he did his part in the win and and uh, yeah, I think that would have just maybe calmed things down a little bit in that department. Yeah, so Adrian looked generally pretty solid. A uh, couple of decent stops came out of his goal well. The only thing that he was almost undone by was Ozan Kabak, who did get the ball <laughs> past him at one point, and it looked like it was going to be the most classic Liverpool performance of the season so far, had that counted as a goal. Uh, Purge, talk me through your thoughts when that happened. Well, I wasn't shocked. because that was. I thought that was obvious that that was going to come and we'd lose 1-0. Um, but it was offside, so I don't know why we're talking about it, to be honest. They both had a great game. <laughs> <laughs> they did, to be fair. I thought uh, Kabak was quite good. He still yeah. looks a little bit raw in getting the right side of the of the attacker and stuff. A couple of times like he got didn't get turned exactly, but he was trying to make up ground on, on the attacker. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he did quite well. But it is Sheffield United and Oli McBurney rather than against like Manchester City and Sergio Aguero. Yeah. So. Can I just say one thing about Adrian before we move on? He, uh, um, go on. Yeah, he look. He had a good game, but every time he got the ball, I was shitting myself. And towards the end of the game, he started doing keepy ups. Did you see it in his own box? Yes. I was like, <laughs> see that? You're mental. Just boot it. I was screaming at him. And we were two 0 no. up at the time. We were cruising to a win. I was furious, but well played. That's all I have to say. Yeah, more of that. <laughs> I want more of that goalkeeping, like overconfidence shit house. From Allison, yeah, it. sure. Or Kelleher, not him. <laughs> Uh, I didn't see this because I'm, I'm watch- I was watching on a different stream, but apparently in one of the, on, I don't know if it was BT or Sky, but they kept referring to Adrian as Allison yeah, throughout the game. Oh, really constantly, annoying. yeah. Really it was annoying. on Sky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's just a sign of how good he was, just channeling <laughs> Allison to the point where well, he's there you go. unrecognisable. Yeah. <laughs> um, we should say on Allison as well that, um, of course, he was, he was obviously out of the game because of what happened with his father and... Um, yeah, just another example of how things are, are much more important than football. We'll get onto it a bit later, but I think he is expected to come back in for the next game, but I don't think anybody in you know the world would begrudge him sitting out no. on that game at all. Take as much time as he needs. Yeah, absolutely. Thoughts with yeah. him and, and his family. And it's just uh, heartbreaking that he hasn't been able to go back to, to Brazil uh, to be with his family in that moment. I thought it was a really nice touch as well how many of the players came out on, on Twitter or in their post-match interviews saying, you know, that was all for Alison and and we're all with you and everything like that. Um, which, yeah, is a really nice sign of, of 
squad unity and, and togetherness in, in these times as well, which was lovely to see. Uh, one of the players who did uh, dedicate their, their goals to Alisson was young Curtis Jones, uh, who is now the youngest Liverpool player to score in the Premier League away from Anfield since Raheem Sterling. So, I mean, that's a nice comparison to have. Uh, people have been talking for a while. There's been this kind of weird Twitter narrative about how we should never substitute him because when we do, then things go wrong. <laughs> uh, he played well again against Sheffield United. Does he sort of deserve to start every game now? Perds, I'll go see you on that. Um, every game is a stretch. Although when you think about it, who are our options? Because Henderson looks like he's <laughs> out for the season. Um, look, if he did start every game, like I wouldn't have a problem with it because he... He was class yesterday and he has been for a while. Um, but look, we do need to freshen things up because everyone looks knackered at the moment. Yep. So just purely on fatigue basis, no, he shouldn't start every game. No, but I'm saying like <laughs> when you're picking that midfield three now, obviously the season's a bit weird. But when we're talking about all the options available, is Curtis Jones starting to be in the conversation for... for one of the best three midfielders that we have? Because presumably yeah. Fab uh, Fabinho is going to be one. And then Henderson is going to be the other. And then it's a toss-up then between Thiago, Keita, Jones, Wijnaldum. and yeah. Wijnaldum. But yeah, potentially Wijnaldum's not going to be there for much longer, I guess. No, didn't name Oxley chamberlain in there either. Uh, he didn't, but yeah, you could throw him in there as well. <laughs> Although I would say he's probably slightly behind the others at the moment. Support for the Gig and Press podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in below-the-waist grooming. That's right, Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And on the Gagan Press, we have an exclusive offer for listeners that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code 90min20 at manscaped.com. So, Manscaped has created the best in class ball hair trimmer ever. Yep, that's right, I said ball hair trimmer. It is the Lawnmower 3.0, which features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Ouch, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. In addition, this trimmer comes with an LED light for more precise shave and is waterproof so you know you can take it in the shower don't use the same trimmer you use on your face as on your balls come on that's just not cool is it the lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new perfect package 3.0 which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed cut free and smelling nice down there so yeah trim your junk get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 90min20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code 90min and the number 20 at manscaped.com. Okay, now back to the episode. Uh, Emma, what, was, what are your thoughts on, on Curtis at the moment? Looks a real prospect. He really does. And actually, currently right now, I'm working on a, a feature, which you should all read when it comes out on Thursday. Um, <laughs> little plug for my own work there. Um, yeah, I've, I've been saying actually for a few weeks that I'd like to see Curtis Jones... Um, be given a starring role. I mean, I think he has become arguably our most important midfielder at the moment. Um, you know, given the fact that Henderson's out, I think his form is better than Thiago's. I think his form is better than Wijnaldum's. He's that one mm. player who offers you a bit of creativity. I was saying um, on a podcast last week that I wanted to see Jones heavily involved because I think he's one of the players that's in confidence and he's one of the players that wants to get on the ball and make things happen. And when you you know yeah. you're going for a rough patch and you know things aren't going your way, then you want the players who are playing well to to be actively you know getting on the ball. So the likes of Mo Salah, the likes of Curtis Jones, and probably Trent Alexander-Arnold at the moment, who seems to have lifted his game in the last couple of games. So 
Um, yeah. yeah, so I'd absolutely like to see him play, but I'm with Perds. I think I think there's a reason why he's been substituted. And actually, Jurgen Klopp referred to this. I think it was either the end of last season, you know, after the restart, or at the beginning of this season, where he said he's still it. Like, I mean, I think he's just turned twenty, hasn't he? But he's still technically like a kid. He's he's an extremely young, you know, young man and when you're playing that much football at that age, you don't want to burn him out because I think Liverpool are well aware that with Curtis Jones, they could have one of the best young players. Well, they, they do have one of the best young players in the country, but they could have one of the best young players in Europe um, over the next couple of years if he develops at the rate which he has been, which has been phenomenal. So they don't want to ruin his career. So, you know, you don't want to burn him out. You don't want to absolutely kill him um, at this stage. So I think it's important that Liverpool manage his minutes while also getting the best out of him for the best for the team, which at the moment um, seems to be that, you know, he has to have some kind of involvement for me um, in in the big games and, you know, in as many games as, as you possibly can. But also mm. bear in mind that if, if you can sort of give him 15, 20 minutes rest here and there, then, you know, make the most of it and, and give him that time. Speaking of burning out, did you see him at the end of the game? He had like two massive bags of ice on each mm. on each oh, knee, no, on each shin. Yeah, yeah, they just, they like, they panned to him in on the subs bench and yeah. he had that just like... That is quite normal though. Yeah, I know it is yeah. kind of, it's quite normal, but it just, it's such like a weird image because they were like, not like ice packs like you would have like for a footballer, they were like things you would put in your fridge when you're having a, in, in <laughs> yeah. your freezer when you're having a party and you just had to like shove down his socks. <laughs> basically so frozen he, peas on his knees. <laughs> yeah, basically. It was uh, yeah, real old school look, but yeah, I, I assume it was just like, yeah, just part of his, his warm down muscle tightness kind of thing going on there yeah um yeah but yeah i kind of i agree with what you're saying emma and i don't want to praise city too much but the way they've handled phil foden's development has been you know really exceptional and i think there is a there is a worry that you you overuse these players and you overexpose them um so yeah it probably is best not to get too carried away well this has been like one of the shining lights from all the injuries is that he wouldn't have played nearly the amount of minutes had our fo- had our squad been fully fit, so mm-hmm. and he could have burned out because of it. But um, he's actually stepped up and you know been one of our better players, like Emma said. So mm. fortunately for him, we've had these injuries and and he's lived up to it. And he's about the one centre midfielder that we have at the moment who hasn't had a chance to play at centre back. So we've got that to look forward to, presumably. <laughs> oh <in the> God. <laughs> Uh, speaking of not getting too carried away, I mean, we did say this before, but Sheffield United are dreadful. I mean, they are, let's face it, I mean, some yeah, no disrespect, disrespect, I guess. Yeah. No <laughs> disrespect, but, but some disrespect. They are the worst team in the league. So this was a game, I think Roy Keane said if they couldn't win this one, it was like time to pack it up and go home. And But they, they did win it, so fair enough. But I don't think this is a sort of uh, a game that you can sort of stick a flag in and say that Liverpool are back. And I think, as we touched on before, there are still problems with, with finishing in this team. I saw a stat the other day that said that Liverpool, since the 7-0 win over Palace, have the worst XG in the league. I don't know if that's changed because I know Brighton have been also particularly bad in that area. But it is quite apparent, and as Perds mentioned before, that for me, no chance was just a clear example of how that's happening. We're creating at the moment and we're sort of getting a little bit better in the final third, but the goals still aren't flowing and we're relying on bits of luck and, you know, possibly poor refereeing decisions to get the goals at the moment. Is that a worry to you, Emma? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think for as long as, you know, Liverpool aren't putting away these chances, it is, of course, going to be a worry because, as I kind of touched on before, when you come up against the better teams that are going to be more clinical with their chances, which Sheffield United certainly weren't, then, um, yeah, the Liverpool absolutely have to be, you know, they have to be more clinical than, than they have been because they need to, at the end of the day, outscore the opposition. So, but I think, um, you know, I think on the weekend it was... I think the whole picture just looks better, doesn't it? West Ham obviously didn't get a win, which helped Liverpool. Chelsea didn't get a win, which helped Liverpool. And then Liverpool go and get, you know, go and get the three points. So I think regardless of the opposition, the whole picture and the whole mood just feels a little bit better. Um, mm. So I think at the moment they'll be focusing on that. And I think that, you know, those big chances in front of goal, like we know that Firmino can score those goals you know it is just a case of he's got the ability it's just a case of him getting into that mindset so I think I think hopefully when the mood lifts and the confidence lifts the the chances will start being put away more but I mean I've, I've probably said this for about a season or two now I still I still would like Liverpool to go out and buy an out and out centre forward just to have that yeah. option you know like an Edison Cavani like Manchester United have done just go and get somebody mm-hmm. who just knows how to be in and around that six-yard box and, and can just put those those kind of chances away with these because, you know, I think I think that's something that, that Liverpool have missed now for a while. Mm. Andy Carroll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Stephen Corker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Daniel Sturridge was probably the last one that Liverpool had who, mm. you know, who had that kind of ability just to put away chances. Mm. Yeah, it's frustrating because we did see sort of both sides of Firmino in that game, the good and bad. He missed that very clear one-on-one chance, but he had some really nice touches, a couple of decent through balls, and then his footwork in the area for the for the second goal was like outrageous again. So he's still obviously a hugely important player for Liverpool and integral in knitting together knitting together that front line. But yeah, they're just if he could just get on the score sheet a little bit more often and put away these big chances, then that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, we'll take a quick break there. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the Chelsea game on Thursday. OK, and we're back. Uh, before we get on to Liverpool versus Chelsea, which is uh, the Thursday night kickoff, uh, some interesting rumours, uh, I think they came from the Daily Mirror originally a couple of days ago, about Klopp potentially taking over the Germany national team uh, after the next Euros if Yogi Love decides to step aside. Um, the, it wasn't, you know, based on any Klopp quotes or anything, but the rumour said that Klopp would find it a difficult position to turn down. Perz, is this something, can you see that happening realistically? come summer of I don't know next not this year but the year after is that is that something that you think would appeal to Klopp yeah I, I do unfortunately um but we we've heard this before like we know that Germany's going to be the biggest and maybe only draw for him to pull him away from Liverpool um mm. but the fact this isn't based on any actual quotes I wouldn't get too worried um and we've we've probably been like preparing for this for a couple of years because we know it's coming so don't stress is what i'll say yeah emma these uh you know as a journalist you've seen these these rumors flying around for quite a while now it's the sort of the, the classic thing that people seem to be assuming that when uh, when Klopp does eventually leave merseyside it will be for the german national team job 
Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, I sort of touched on it off off air before we started recording that it's just, it's one of those stories that's been going around for so long where Steve Gerrard's going to become Liverpool manager, Jürgen Klopp's going to go to Germany. We saw the same thing with Arsene Wenger with Arsenal. You know, it was, oh, he's leaving yeah. Arsenal to go and become the France France manager. And it it happens all the time. Um, I I mean, personally, I, I can't, I mean, obviously, I, I think I think it's I think it's a load of rubbish at the moment, but I personally can't see it happening at all, really. I can't see Jurgen Klopp and that absolutely obsessed with day-to-day football going and managing a national team where he has to wait, you know, every couple of months for a game. I just can't see him being that person. I think he's just obsessed with club football and a fan base that follows it. And I just think, like, for him, national football doesn't, doesn't seem to work. But, um, yeah, he, I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one. It tends to be something that, that managers... It used to be like national team management was like the absolute pinnacle, but now it seems to be something that, that managers either do like right at the end of their career mm. or because they haven't you know, quite found their groove in, in club management. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I think that it's it probably is something that, that he might look at, but probably further down the road, really. Um, as for Steven Gerrard coming in as a replacement, Purdy having that... Not You're yet. up for a bit of Gerard action, aren't you? I, I certainly am, but not yet. Um, he needs to earn his trade in Europe, as you guys said before. I'm just going to steal that. He, um, he, before we went on air, yeah. Um, he needs to, you know, manage. I was thinking Sevilla because they always win the Europa League, so that's easy nice. for him. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's a lovely part of the world as well. So is that yeah. is that where you're based, isn't it? Uh, I'm in Malaga, not far from Sevilla. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Andalusia yeah. is is beautiful. Close Welcome, enough. come to come to Spain, Stevie G. You can be assistant. I'm actually to doing that. Yeah, I mean, as soon as we can, I'm booking flights. So you can't take that back now. All right. Yep, I'm having it. All of you guys and Stevie G, come here. <laughs> Beers on me. Um, yeah, so we were we were sort of chatting about this off air, and we said that as good as Steven Gerrard has been doing at Rangers and you know following the doing his coaching badges and stuff at Liverpool and working with the under 18s Personally, for me, I would like to see him do a little bit more um, beyond Rangers as well. Um, no disrespect to them. Well, again, kind of disrespect to them. I'm going after everyone today, <laughs> but. Um, I would like to see him maybe go for another team, yeah, as as Perd said, in a different league to to experience Champions League football or business end Europa League football in those kind of high pressure competitions where he's going to be expected to to win things and compete with the the best on a regular basis. I don't know whether it's massively helpful for him to come to the Premier League and and manage a um, sort of a mid table side. Uh, just because I don't think that was going to prepare him necessarily for for the rigours of of elite level management like he will be expected to at Liverpool. And the last thing that we want is a situation where he comes in and ends up being the Lampard of of Liverpool and failing and, you know, tarnishing a legacy in some way or becoming a sort of a joke to the rest of the league. Because I think he does have a lot of potential as a manager, but it's just about managing expectations and finding that pathway um, where he might be a potential candidate, because at the moment, if you take out his name and who he is, that's not that's not a person that you would consider for the Liverpool manager's job, is it really? Yeah. So for for me, you'd be talking about people like Julian Nagelsmann, or even Pep Linders, or somebody. That was the one uh, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, continuing Klopp's legacy, if in the eventuality that Klopp did want to step aside. But I still think that we're a little bit of a way away from having to discuss succession planning because I don't think the Klopp era is coming to an end necessarily anytime soon. We all agreed on that then, guys? Yes, yeah. please. 
All right, let's talk about uh, Chelsea then. Um, I think I feel like I'm saying this every week now, but how big a game is this <laughs> in the race for the top four? Chelsea are one point ahead. Uh, Leicester and West Ham, again, slightly further ahead, but they've been dropping points of late. Everton Spurs still in the hunt. Need to keep winning games here. And this is sort of becoming a bit of a, a six-pointer, isn't it, Emma? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I said after RB Leipzig that I think it was so important for us to go and back up that result and performance with another result. I mean, obviously, we didn't do that. So I think it is it is a massive game. There's no being around the bush. I mean, a win takes Liverpool into the, the top four. You know, if you were just looking at the table now, obviously, you don't know what results are going to be like for, for West Ham and elsewhere. But um, yeah, I think, I think it's hugely important. Liverpool absolutely need to start just getting, a, getting on a bit of a run. Um, and like I say, I think the mood in the camp this week will have just changed slightly, just given kind of the, you know, the surroundings of the win over Sheffield United, the fact it was a clean sheet, the fact that they did for the first time in what feels like months actually had a bit of a slice of luck. They obviously mm. got the win. Um, there's a real togetherness given the the awful news with, with Alisson. So, um, like, obviously that's that's a horrendous thing, but I think it's it's just another thing that's that's brought the team together. So, um, I think if they can go and back that up with a win against a big team, uh, because again, you know, as as we've said, Sheffield United at the end of the day, Liverpool should be beating them. So, um, if they go and back that up with 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 a win with a win against an informed Chelsea side, then um, I think that would just be that would be huge, absolutely huge for for the rest of the season and for the running for the top four. Yeah, Thomas Tuchel has only won two out of 14 meetings with Jurgen Klopp in his history as a manager. He has got Chelsea in pretty good form since he's taken over. Uh, are you worried at all, Perds? Probably you'd prefer to face a, a Lampard Chelsea rather than a Tuchel Chelsea. Does this, does this sort of concern you as a fixture? It does. It does worry me. And I've said twice before that we've had the biggest games of our season in Spurs. Spurs at home in December. And then yeah. Man United, because they were both top of the table at the time. This is now our biggest game of the season for different reasons for the top four race. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact it's two shells side playing five at the back and we're struggling to create chances, score goals, break teams down. It's just another recipe for disaster. But hopefully we have stopped the rot, like you mentioned. Um, let's get on to who might play in that game. We mentioned before that Alisson is... Hopefully he will be back, but I don't think anyone would begrudge him if he was not. Uh, Klopp said that he was pretty sure that Alisson and Fabinho would be available. And then Jota, who wasn't involved in the game against Sheffield United because of an illness, is also fairly likely to to play as well, or at least to be involved in the squad, sorry. Given that, uh, very positive information, who are we we starting in this game then, Emma? what's What's your team? It's a really tricky one, you know, because I think, as as Perth said, Chelsea have looked so organised under Tuchel. I think, you know, I think they've they've kept they've kept clean sheets, and and he's not lost at home. Um, he's you know they've got a really good record under him. So, I think you need you need the, those creative players in there. So certainly Curtis Jones, first name on the team sheet for me. Um, you need those players who can unlock unlock that sort of back five. But then also I think he's. He's found a really good combination with Angolo Kante and, and Matteo Kovacic sort of in midfield, which mm-hmm. added some real steel. So I think it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if if Klopp went for Wijnaldum or Milner in the six, 
to start because I'm not sure how fit Fabinho is going to be able to play for 90 minutes. Um, I mean, yeah. ideally, you know, you want him in there at the start and you want him in at, at, at the six. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure where he is on that. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if James Milner did, did get at least 45 minutes in the team. Um, would I want to see that? I'm not so sure. Um, I think I'd probably like to go with with Wijnaldum and then probably Curtis Jones and then maybe Navigator. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I say, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Klopp opts for a little bit of steel, a little bit of you know workhorse in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. You're talking about Fabinho coming back in as a as a midfielder. Uh, I'm still mm. not convinced that he won't be used as a defender for the rest of the season now. Potentially well, there Kabak. is that as well. <laughs> Kabak and Fabinho is what I'm expecting to see, I think, possibly, at the weekend. Uh, Perds, any sort of either predictions for how you think that uh, Liverpool will line up or what you want to see? Well, how this you is, want to see Liverpool line up? This is the first time we can actually have a conversation about this in <laughs> ages. Because um, we've got yeah, options. We've got now. options, yeah. yeah. So I, nice? would, I would... Um, I would start Kabak and Phillips because, look, they played well yesterday and we need to stop making new centre-back partnerships. So those two, and Chelsea are struggling to score goals themselves, so they can deal with the threats, I I feel. Um, Whether Fabinho comes in straight away, I don't know. I'd love to see it. Um, I think he'd rest Thiago because he looks knackered. Then I think Cater should start. Because he, he um, I'm just thinking about that goal last season at home at the end when we lifted the trophy, when he smashed it oh, in the yeah. top corner, yeah. So, Cater against Chelsea brings back good memories. Um, and then Jones has to start, doesn't he? Um, and then finally, I'd take out Firmino as soon as possible and put Jota back in, unfortunately. That's my starting uh, Okay, yeah. So, even like an unfit, sort of half-ready Jota, just straight in there, yeah, get him I in. Think so. Yeah, or play all four. Because they're playing five at the back, mix it up. I don't know. I love this. It's like when you when you just get back from the supermarket and you've like got <laughs> options of like what to actually eat rather than just yeah. looking at the fridge for whatever's <laughs> available. It's amazing. Um, all right, then just before we go, let's get predictions. Then it sounds like we're all we're all pretty positive now. All just all it took was oh, one win God. against the worst <laughs> team in the Premier League. Um, Perds, you go first. Tell us what oh, are you God, what are you I'm saying so for this scared. one: Liverpool versus Chelsea. Two 0 to Please. Liverpool, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah, Any goal no, scorer no. predictions? <laughs> no, no. Emma, uh, wow. Emma, what, what have I you mean, got? I mean, just gone right in there. I mean, I, I think it, I think it'll be a, a similar story as to Chelsea Man United, where it'll be two teams that are just too scared to concede goals and therefore might be a little bit hesitant to score at the other end. So, um, I'm going nil nil for this one. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you're saying it's going to be a dreadful game, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> All that positivity. Uh, yeah, I don't think a draw would necessarily be the end of the world for Liverpool at this stage of the season. But, I mean, it would be good to get a win here. I'm going to try and be positive. I'm going to go out on a limb and say 1-0 Liverpool and maybe a really sweaty Salah penalty or something. <laughs> but I'll take it. We need to start winning at home as well, by the way. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. hopefully we turn that around. Thanks for the reminder there, Perds. Um, on that note we will uh, well that's all we've got time for Um, thank you so much for listening to the Gagan Press if you can please drop us a review it would be very helpful and much appreciated subscribe if you haven't already and you've enjoyed what you've heard we'll be back again 
Uh, well, perhaps Perz and I will do a mini podcast uh, after the Chelsea game. If to, we win. If we win, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we're not in a foul mood uh, ahead of Fulham and then Leipzig uh, next week. Uh, but until then, it is goodbye from us. Uh, thanks for joining us, Perz. Say goodbye. Goodbye. And cheers, Emma. Say goodbye. See you later. That's goodbye from me.